0: All right. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Uh, Thank you guys for being here in person. It's good to see you all. And thank you for tuning in online. If you're watching online, if this is your first time watching, uh, my name is Wade, and we're glad you're here. Let me go ahead and uh, open us up in a word of prayer, and we'll get into tonight's message. Father, thank you for another opportunity to get up here and share what you've laid on my heart. I just pray, God, that you'd open every heart and every mind to receive what it is you have to say to us tonight. Lord, I pray that you help us not to, not to be worried about the cares that we have in this world at this moment, but help us just be present right here, right now, and uh, hear what it is you have to say to us. And Lord, I pray that you give us understanding of what you're trying to teach us, and help us, Lord, to apply it to our lives, and we'll give you the glory for that. And it's in Jesus Christ's holy name I do pray. Amen. All right. Well, uh, last week, the title of the message was Trust. Uh, We talked about trusting God and how many people, you know, don't make the changes in their lives that they know they need to make, that God is telling us to make, simply because we just don't trust God with the outcome if we obey Him and make those changes. You know, we don't trust that if I do what God's telling me, that everything's going to be all right or we talked about we know what God's word says and the truth be told we just don't make those changes that God's telling us to make because we don't want to we still enjoy the things he's telling us to get rid of it. we enjoy our lifestyle and we're not willing to let it go and uh, you know I see more of that than I do if people just don't know what to do it's that it's not that they don't know what to do they're just not willing to let go of things in their lives. Uh, We're not willing to give God control of our lives. But either way, whether it's just not trusting God with the consequences of obeying Him or simply refusing to obey Him, the result is the same for both of those. You know, we live our lives separate from God as a result of not obeying Him. Uh, We choose to live life our own way instead of the way God tells us to. And, uh, you know, we're not surrendered to His will. Josh preached on Sunday that hell is uh, being separated from God, from the love of God. And no matter what the reason is for not surrendering our will to His, whether it is fear or pride or complacency like we've been talking about for a few weeks, like I said, the result is the same. And uh, it's our choice. You know, we choose to live independently from God. That's not His design. But uh, when we choose to live independently from God, then we blame Him because our lives are not working out the way we want them to. You know, God is always there. He's always willing to forgive. He's always willing to receive anybody that will come to Him. Uh, his word very plain. He don't reject anybody. Uh, we make that choice ourselves to live independently from God. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 9 I don't know if we shared this verse last week or not, but it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, God wants everybody to come to repentance. Uh, you know, we just read in that verse, God's not willing that anybody should perish, but it's up to us. It's our choice to repent. It's up to us to change the direction of our lives. That's what repent means. It just means to turn from our sin, to change direction and go in the direction that God wants us to go. But it's up to us to change the direction of our lives. It's up to us to obey God or not. So we can't blame God for decisions that we make ourselves. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, That just kind of... A quick overview of it. If you missed last week's message and you want to to hear some more of that, you can find it on YouTube or, or the podcast. This week's message is a little different than that, but it's still focusing on trusting God. Uh, I think we can all agree that this world is in bad shape and that it's not the way it should be. You know, I don't think anybody thinks everything's going the way it's supposed to. It's pretty evident that this world is just messed up. I mean, there's not a better way to put it. There's murder everywhere. You can't watch the news without seeing some kind of murder. Uh, There's drugs and overdoses everywhere. There's sex trafficking everywhere, child abuse, homeless children, and wars. It's just an endless list of things that are not right. You know, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Uh, I mean, there's just proof of that everywhere. And uh, this world's just messed up. You know, I was talking with Howard yesterday, and, uh, you know, I was talking about, as I watched the news in the morning, and uh, that's what they were talking about was mass shootings. And I was telling Howard what they were saying on the news, that early early as it is in the year, there's already been like 140-something mass shooting, and he said something that I had to think about. He said, it's always been like that. People always been killing people. You know, that's not something new. And So I thought about that all day yesterday when I was working. And, uh, you know, he's right. From the beginning of time, because I was thinking Scripture, you know, and uh, he's right. From the beginning of time, people have been killing one another. And you can see that all through Scripture, all the way up to the end of it. Uh, you know, if we go all the way back to the beginning, in <clears throat> Cain and Abel, you know, and I told Howard, we took God out of everything and wonder why things are so bad and so evil. But all the way back to Cain, uh, we can read the story of, of Cain in Genesis 4, verses 6 through 8. It says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth or angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him, or murdered him. So, you know, God warns us all the way through Scripture. If you look for it, God's warning us all the way through Scripture. If you do well, if you live the way I tell you to live, and if you're obedient to me, you'll be accepted, or things will go well for you. But if you don't rule over the sin in your life, it will control you. And it does. And that's what's wrong with the world today. That's why the world is so messed up, it's because people don't have a relationship with God. And you can't have a a good, nice world or a godly life without God, you know? So... Howard is right, that's not new. That goes back you know, way before Abraham's supposed to be the father of faith, or he is the father of faith. But even before Abraham's time, in the days of Noah, uh, we see that. And it's not just America. A lot of times we think it's just that bad here. That's everywhere. It's not just America or Russia or whoever. It's any nation or any society or any community Or any neighborhood, or you can even narrow it a little further, any home that don't have God is going to be ruled by sin. You know, when you take God out of it, any situation, that's all that's left. You know, there's good and evil. When we take anything good out of it, then we're left with evil. And uh, that's what we find in Noah's day. In Genesis chapter 6, in verse 5, it says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And in verse 12 of the same chapter, it says, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And uh, if we look around, that sounds a whole lot like the world today, don't it? You know, the whole earth was evil. And like I said, that was way before Abraham was even born. But I love, in the the same chapter, Genesis 6, I love verses 8 and 9. This gives us hope. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And in verse 9, it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Even though the whole earth around him was evil and corrupt, Noah walked with God. And uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he walked with God. And, you know, that gives us hope because we can find grace in the eyes of the Lord too. But we have to walk with Him like Noah did. You know, God destroyed the whole earth because of sin, but He spared Noah. And if we read our Bibles, uh, the New New Testament says He's going to spare us too. You know, we can't live in fear of what the world's doing. We have to live in fear of the Lord. <clears throat> I love this verse in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. It says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Even though things are fearful in the world, and. the uh, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed if you watch the news or if you're going through something yourself. But we got to we got to have our our focus on God, on God. You know, Jesus in that verse is telling his disciples in the verses before that, if you read those, it says if the world hates me, it's going to hate you too. But don't let their threats scare you into hiding. If we back up one verse in verse 27, he says, "What I tell you in the darkness, that speak you in the light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach you upon the housetops. So he's telling them what I tell you: preach it from the housetops. Let your light shine before men. <clears throat> you know, get them to Jesus, and let Him change them from the inside out. You know, focusing on problems that just makes your problems look bigger. But getting a solution into the problem, you know, getting Jesus into people who don't know God is the only thing that's going to change them. That's the only thing that's going to change our communities, our homes, our schools. They need Jesus. You know, we try to keep coming up with all these different answers, you know, gun control and change this law and make a new law. But in the end, the only thing that changes any of us is Jesus Christ. Uh, like I said, we can't hide from things. I know the world looks fearful and stuff, but Philippians 2 in verse 15 It says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So it says we're not supposed to hide from the world, but be a shining light in the middle of it, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. You know, that don't mean we're supposed to live with them or like them or participate in what they're doing. But we should live, what that means is we should live our lives contrary to the way they live. We should live our lives in a way that people can see there is hope and that there is a God and that there is a better way to live. You know, they need to know they have a choice. A lot of people have never heard the gospel, they don't know they have a choice. They live that way because that's the only life they know. And uh, that verse is telling us that we're supposed to be an example in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. They need to know that Jesus is real, and they don't have to be hopeless and lost in sin. We're supposed to be examples. Uh, You know, we have to go in a different direction than everybody else to show them there is a better way. If we're going the same direction they're going, then they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. God called us to go in a different direction, just like the verse we read about repentance. That means to turn from wicked ways and live the way God wants us to live. And that's all through Scripture too, if you'll see all the people that God called. uh, Like Abraham, we were talking about Abraham. Uh, Before he was Abraham, his name was Abram. And God told him to get out of your country, get away from your kinfolk, and follow me. He didn't give him any other directions. He just told him Leave your home, leave your family, and follow me. You know, he didn't tell Abram to get away from them because you're better than they are. That's not what he told him at all. He called Abram so that he could teach him his ways. God called Abram so he could show him that I'm God and I'm a loving God, and what I'm telling you is for your own good. He called Abram so he could teach him his ways and teach him how to live for God and how to have faith in God, how to trust God, so that Abraham could be an example to them, so he could show God to them. Uh, We can read that in Genesis chapter 12 again, in verses 1 through 3. And that's exactly what he's calling us to do. In verse 1 it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. In verse 3 it says, And I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curses you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So God didn't call Abram out of his country just so he could be better than everybody. He called him out of the country so he could teach him how to live for him and be an example for the whole world, that there is a God. And, uh, you know, what he's telling us is good for us. And like I said, he's calling us to do the same thing, to come out of sin yourself. You know, Abram come out of a simple society, a pagan society. They worshiped idols. They did all those bad things. And God said, come to me and I'll show you a better way. So that's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to come out of sin yourself. Come to God yourself and let him show you his ways just like he did to Abram. And let him show you how to live for him. And then you will be able to show others how to get out of that too. And how they can come to him. You know, we can't just sit back and look at the world and go on and on about how evil it is. We've got to do like Abram did. First and get ourselves out of it, you know, uh, change starts with me first. It don't come with noticing what's wrong. It comes with being willing to do what God says and uh, change myself. You know, we can't even get our house in order if we're not in order ourselves. So it, it has to start with us, with me, you know, and me would be you. Uh, just like Joshua, you know, you hear that famous verse all the time, in Joshua 24:15, about as for me and my house we will serve the Lord uh, you know he didn't say just as for my household he said for me first then my household so that's the way we have to see it too uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 4 and 5 it says how will you say to your brother let me pull out the mote out of your eye and behold the beam is in your own eye He said, you hypocrite, first cast the beam out out of your own eye, and then you shall see clearly to cast the moat out of your brother's eye. So change has to start with us. We just can't see something wrong over here or something wrong with somebody else. If we want a, a solution, it has to start with us, and then our house, and then our surroundings, and then our friends. But we have to be willing to be the first one to be an example. Uh, so me or my household or the church can't just sit back and point fingers at the world and how evil it is. We have to do what God is saying all through Scripture. Seek him first and he will take care of everything else. You know, that verse is not in my notes, but Matthew 6:33. We said that almost every week. And that's all he tells anybody. That's what he told Abram. He said, all I want you to do is follow me. And that's all he told him. He didn't tell him to go fix your people. He said, follow me. Keep your focus on me. Be obedient to me. And, uh, you know, if you know Abraham's story, he didn't follow God perfectly. He made mistake after mistake after mistake. And we will, too. He followed God, but he didn't follow him perfectly. And, uh, you know, we can't follow him perfectly either. But we can follow him. And that's all Jesus said when he started his ministry was follow me. He didn't say go fix the world, go take over the romans and win Jerusalem back. He said follow me and tell the world about me so they can follow me too if they choose to. So it starts with me, you know, am I willing to follow Jesus? Am I willing to make the changes in my life in order to be obedient to him? We can't we can't sit back and complain about the world being disobedient if we're not being obedient ourselves. <clears throat> you know, the best example I could think of that is I don't know how many kids that Howard and Sandy have helped with their foster care program, but they wouldn't have helped any of those kids if all they did was sit around and point their fingers at the foster care problem. You know, they, they actually had to follow Jesus, and uh, he led them to the foster care program. And then he leads the children to them. So that's our only duty as followers of Christ is to follow him. He'll give us instructions along the way. But uh, our duty is to follow him and be obedient to him. But we get so distracted by the way the world is we lose our focus on God. And uh, we all do that. I do that every day. I think We can't help but do that. It's everywhere you look. You know, people don't just get up one day and decide, I'm going to go be a mass murderer. That comes from, you know, the places like we just talked about from growing up without God in a godless home, being sent to godless schools that don't allow God there in a godless world. If we want to make a difference, we have to do the only thing we can do, and that is follow Him ourselves. there's two parallel passages, uh, one in Matthew 24 and uh, Luke 21. Both those chapters are almost identical if you read them. And that's where Jesus is talking about the future. And uh, most of you have heard it if you've been in, in church at all in your life, where he's talking about there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and nation will rise up against nation and kingdom will rise up against kingdom and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes and you know I've heard those things all my life and most of the time people are talking about you know things are getting so bad Jesus will be Jesus is coming back soon and he is coming back soon you know the it says a day to the lord is as a thousand years and a, a thousand years are as a day so even if it's a thousand years from now it's going to be soon but every generation since Jesus said that they thought it was going to happen in their generation. And, you know, every gen- generation from then till now could say, we've got wars and rumors of wars and famine and all this stuff. And they did. I mean, every generation, uh, if you look through history, not just the Bible, you know, even if you leave the Bible out of it and just look back through history, it proves that there's never been a time without those things. There's always been war, there's always been rumors of wars, there's always been famine, there's always been pestilence. So you could pick any generation out of time and plug it in there and it would fit. But uh, you know, just in recent history, in the last couple hundred years, you know we had the Civil War, we had World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Middle East, and they're just an endless list. You know, he, you could just keep going for all the generations, and I'm sure if he was alive in any of those generations, you probably would have thought, "This is it. Jesus is coming back now. He's got to be, you know, especially, you know what about Hitler? Everybody was sure that was it. And then we got, you know, it's just over. it just keeps repeating itself. And everybody thinks this generation is more evil than the last one. Uh, and that's just not the case. You know, that is happening in every generation. We go back uh, right after the crucifixion. Nero went into power, and he was the one that was killing Christians left and right. He'd dip them in oil and burn them for entertainment. So, you know, every generation has that. And this generation definitely fits the bill. So, you know, I think myself, Jesus will be coming any time. That's why I try to be ready for when he does. But Jesus says in Matthew 24 and verse 36, But of that day and hour knows no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So he says the Father is the only one that knows that day. Jesus himself don't even know that day. Nobody knows when he's coming back. He said he's going to come like a thief in the night at a time when we least expect it. But what he does tell us in Luke 21 and verse 28 It says, when these things begin to come to pass, you know, when you see all these things happening, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. So what he does tell us is when we do see all these things, lift up our heads. You know, the Bible says today is the day of redemption. What he's saying is when you realize how simple the world is, lift up your head, wake up, don't be so distracted by what the world is doing that you can't see God. You know, we've been talking for the last two weeks about being distracted and uh, growing complacent in our faith. Uh, Quit looking around and start looking up. You know, are you ready to see Jesus if He did come back today? We get so busy talking about how simple the world is and Jesus could be coming back that we forget about our faith and we forget about am I ready if He does come back? So we can't lose track of where we are in our own relationship with God by looking at the world. You know, if you really believe that these are the last times and you're living, are you living a life that's prepared for Jesus' return? Uh, Matthew 24 and verse 46. It says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. You know, if he does come today, what's he going to find you doing? Is he going to find us living for him and trying to be obedient to him? Or is he going to find us on CNN so we can see what else is wrong in the world? We can't be so focused on what's wrong in the world that we lose sight of God. Uh, you know, what What would he find you doing? Watching the news, complaining about all the bad? Or finding fault in everybody or everything that we can? When we pay attention to that much negative stuff, we become critical. And we just keep looking we're more negative stuff. We get addicted to it. You know, so is that what he's going to find us doing when he's come back? Or is he going to find us sharing the love and the hope of God like we're supposed to? You know, like we just read. Or we're going to be the shining light in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. <clears throat> and like I said, I'm guilty of that more, more often than I'd like to admit. You know, I can be very critical of others. If I'm not careful, if that's all I'm focused on, once I find one negative thing, then I'm off looking for the next one. And uh, and there was a verse that got my attention last week, and that's what I want to talk about for the rest of tonight's message. And I think that's where a lot of us are. And uh, it's Luke 21 and verse 34. I want to read it to you, and then I want to explain it to you a little bit. It says, and take heed to yourselves, and this is Jesus talking in the same chapter where he's talking about, you know, the wars and the famines and all that. He says, and take heed to yourselves, or pay attention to what you're doing, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life until that day come upon you unawares. The reason I wanted to share that verse with you is because it's one of those verses that if you're not careful when you're reading, you'll just skip over them. But it's a, a really important verse. You know, just like we read a minute ago where God was warned Cain about his sin, this is Jesus warning us. You know, Cain didn't pay attention to God's warning and he wound up killing his brother. And Jesus is warning us here. He says to take heed, pay attention, be alert. Uh, that word overcharged where he says, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. Now that word overcharged, it's going to make sense to you when I tell you what it means. That word means to be weighed down, to be burdened, to be grieved. It actually means to be so weighed down and burdened that our hearts become grave. You know, (coughs) we lose hope. We get that feeling of hopelessness inside of us. Jesus is telling us, don't be so focused on that stuff that you let it rob your heart, burn your heart down so much that you become grave and lose hope. We get so focused on the problems of the world that we forget we have hope. We forget that Jesus is coming. So lift up your heads. Focus on me is what he's saying. And that word serpenting, you've probably never heard that much. That's only in the Bible one time. And Jesus only used it one time. The word overcharged in that meaning was only used one time by Jesus. And I I think he put them in there on purpose. But that word serpenting means to have so much of something that it makes you sick. It means to, you know, overindulge in something to the point that it makes you sick, and from that point on you're just disgusted by it. And uh That's what we do. We look at what's going on in the world so much, we get disgusted, and that disgust gets into our hearts. And uh, if we keep reading the definition of surfeiting, it actually means to get a headache from it. It kind of compares it to having a hangover from drinking. So we can get so focused on the bad news that the world has to offer and how messed up everything is, It's just like having a hangover all the time. And we don't have hope, we don't feel good, and we wonder why. It actually affects our heart. It affects our actual physical health. It affects our mental well-being, and it definitely affects our our spiritual well-being because we get our focus off of God. So Jesus is warning us in that verse. Don't focus all your time and your energy filling up your head and your heart With the evil in the world. You know, lift up your head. We have redemption. (coughs) We have hope. Uh, You know, God destroyed the earth in Noah's day, but we got to remember verse 8 in chapter 6 that we read earlier. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, you know, no matter how bad the world is getting, we've got to keep our eyes on God and uh, walk with God like Noah did. And we'll find grace in the eyes of the Lord too. Because it's also in Scripture that God is going to destroy the earth again. And He's going to destroy it for good this time. Not just the earth, but all the sin and everything that goes with it. So we've got to keep our faith intact in God. This time He's going to destroy the earth with fire, not a flood. You can see that in Second Peter chapter 3. Verses 12 and 13. And this is us. If we're looking for Jesus to come back, like we've been talking about, it says, Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That's the earth and the sun and the moon and everything. But in verse 13, just like Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, we do too. It says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, God promises us, we look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. We can't get so focused on how simple this world is. We got to be focused on the new earth and the new heaven that's coming. And we need to be trying to keep our relationship with God where it needs to be so we can dwell in it. There dwells righteousness. You know, there's many things in this world that disgust me if I dwell on. I mean, many things. And I know there is for, for you guys, too. There's bad things everywhere. You know, there's bad things happening to good people. There's people that we love being deceived by the enemy, and they don't, they don't believe in the goodness of God and the love of God anymore. Or they're so deceived by the enemy, they love the world so much that they won't let go of it. They don't want anything to do with God because they just don't believe it. You know, I got that too. I deal with it every day. And I know you do too. But we've got to take Jesus' warning in Luke 21, verse 34, if you'll put that back up there, Travis. We've got to take heed to ourselves. Lest at any time our hearts are overcharged with surfening and drunkenness and cares of this life. And I don't think he's talking about getting drunk with wine. I think you can get drunk on anything. We can get drunk with worry, anxiety, anything that distorts your character is drunkenness. And the cares of this life. So that day come upon you unawares. It's a warning from Jesus. So let's take Jesus' warning and not <coughs> not let our hearts be so overcharged or weighed down and burdened and darken that we can't show the goodness and the love of God ourselves. Uh, the NLT version of that verse says it, it dulls our hearts so that we're no longer useful. We've got to be alert like Jesus said. And we've got to do what he said in Luke 21 and verse 28. We've got to lift up our head and look around. It says, when these things begin to come to pass... You know, when we look around and all we can see is what's going wrong and falling apart, when we see those things happening, like he says during that verse, lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. When we see those things happening, you know, don't focus on them. Lift up your head. Your redemption is right there. Your hope is right there. Jesus is right there. He said he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I love Psalm 46 and verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in time of trouble. So when we get troubled by the world and we get burdened with these things, you know, don't let them beat you down. Go to God. It says, He's our refuge and our strength. And He won't leave us and He won't forsake us. We can't let the world make us think God's not there anymore. We can't make the world think that God has abandoned us. He hasn't. This world is simple, and it's always going to be simple until Christ does come back, until we do get the new earth and the new heaven. But we've got to remember Second uh, Peter 3.13 that we just read. You know, we've got that to look forward to. We have hope. It says, nevertheless, according to His promise, we look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness so we have a perfect eternity in store for us we can't keep thinking or start thinking that this is all there is and there's nothing to look forward to we've got a perfect eternity to look forward to so don't let the enemy deceive you Jesus is not in the tomb, he's out of the tomb he's alive, he's well and he's right there if you'll cry out to him. So lift up your head and don't let the world weigh you down. And uh, you know, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, there's a very good chance you don't have any hope because he is our hope. So if you have no hope, surrender your life to Jesus. And uh, if you do belong to Jesus and you still feel overwhelmed, you know, get some help, talk to somebody. Don't don't hold it in. Don't let it weigh you down. That's what the brotherhood is for. That's what the church is for. That's what the family of God is for. Don't isolate. There's people that will talk to you and and people that will help you. This is a sinful world, and it is hard to live in, but we can help each other through it and remind each other that Jesus is not in the tomb, that he's sitting on the right hand of God, and uh, one day all this will be over with. And it is worth the fight. It's hard to see that if we're alone and by ourselves all the time. So, if you've never given your life to Christ, I'd like to give you that opportunity today. Uh, it's really simple. All you've got to do is cry out to God and tell Him, I need you. You know, I can't do this on my own. I need a Savior. And tell Him, you know, I surrender my will to yours. But you really have to surrender your will to His. You know, God's not fooled. But when you really, in your heart, surrender yourself to Him and invite Jesus into your life as His, as your Savior, then He will come into your heart right then. And uh, then once you're obedient to Him and start living your life the way He tells you, the way His Word tells us, then you'll make Him the Lord of your life. I'll share these verses with you. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, that if you shall confess with the mouth, with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. <clears throat> That's a promise. And verse 10 says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you made that decision in your heart today to give your life to Christ, tell somebody about it. God says we have to confess it with our mouth and that then we receive our salvation. Then Jesus is Lord of our lives. And, uh, you know, don't let the world tell you, people don't want you to get saved. Sinners love company. Misery loves company. And if people are telling you you've done went too far or you're too bad and God can't do nothing for you, Romans 10:13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's nothing you've done that God won't forgive. Uh, I love this verse in Romans 5, verse 8. It said, God showed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knows we're sinners. sinners. We were born sinners. We were born with a sin nature. That's why Christ came and died for us. So don't let anybody tell you you can't come to God because you're a sinner. That's why he died for us. And there's nothing you've done to keep you from God's grace. So I encourage you to give your life to Christ if you don't know him. And uh, if you have been saved and you do belong to God, I encourage you to to draw closer to God. You know, the world is getting more evil every day, and uh, it'll continue to do so. So we need to be pouring into God more now than we ever have. And we need to be pouring into our relationships more now than we ever have. And be there for one another. Encourage one another. But I hope that helps somebody. I know how heavy the world can get. And uh, we all need encouragement. Let's encourage each other and uh, strengthen each other in our faith. But that's my message for tonight. And uh, again, I thank you all for coming out if you're here in person. And thank you for tuning in if you're watching online. Let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, I thank you for the message you laid on my heart <coughs> this week. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us all to put it into practice, Lord. Help us to encourage one another. Help us, Lord, to get in your word more. And help us, Lord, to, to distrust you more. And that no matter how bad this world looks, Lord, help us to to just know in our hearts that you are good and that you do love us and that you do have a plan for us. And please help us to encourage one another and not be discouraged by the world, Lord, but, but to just remind each other all the time how much you love us and that your plan will unfold the way you say it will. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd increase our faith and help us, Lord, to be that light that we need to be shining in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. Lord, thank you for tonight, and I just pray that you would be with everybody as they go home. Keep them safe. I pray for the ones that are at home that are sick, Lord, and couldn't be here in person. I pray that you'd touch them where they are, and I pray that you'd comfort them and help them to heal quickly, Lord. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.